So, Father, would you make our hearts believe this morning? Father, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you alone are worthy. Father, we ask that you would receive all glory. Father, as we open your word, that you would just use CJ to speak your truth that you have spoken. Father, this morning, give us ears to hear. Father, would you just break down barriers, break down walls? Father, so we may know you, that we may know of the work that you have done on our behalf that we could not do on our own. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We confess this morning our desperate, desperate need for him. So we ask you to move. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Man, my prayer this weekend, guys, um, and you'll remember on Friday night, my charge to you all was that by the time the weekend closed and we actually got to learn the words for that song, we could just sing that at the top of our voices and just belt out truth for all the universe to hear that regardless of what this life can offer us, what opportunities are afforded to us, what we could gain, that Jesus is always going to be better. Amen? Because Jesus has glory that is never ending. Jesus' glory is infinite. There's no way that we could ever describe how amazing our great God is and how incredible the truth of the gospel is. And so thank you all so much, students, just for your attentiveness this weekend, for just your, your singing, the truth of the gospel. Daniel, thank you guys so much uh, for leading us in worship and not just a just what a wonderful time we've had in praising the Lord uh, together. I also want to thank Nathan. Thank you so much for just putting this all together, Nathan. I know that uh, there's so much hard work and sweat and tears and prayer go into an event like this. So thank you for all the work that, that you've done, Nathan. Um, and for Pastor Lee, thank you so much for trusting me with the, the teaching of your people this weekend. Um, I am a senior pastor, and so I certainly feel that weight anytime someone comes to speak. There is no greater thing that we can do then stand before God's people and proclaim his word with absolute truth. And so as we have all these things in mind, students, where's your Bibles at? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2. This morning, students, as we get ready to wrap up Rush Weekend, as we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is better and we've been discovering the glory of who our great God is what it means to follow him and why nothing else on earth can compare with knowing him this morning our final charge from first Thessalonians is that we would take a very real faith out into a very lost and broken world and that we would shine the light of Christ so that others could see and believe this morning students God's word is going to show us a powerful truth and I want to give you that truth right up front, but we'll come back to it time and time again. And here's the truth. Real faith in Jesus produces real devotion to Jesus. I'll say it one more time. Real faith in Jesus produces real devotion to Jesus. 
You see, we could come here this weekend and we could just try to build off of some sort of spiritual high, but what I've learned time and time again, especially in doing youth ministry for about eight or nine years, is that students can come and they can get jacked up for Jesus for a weekend, but if the truth of the gospel is not real inside of the heart, it is of no avail when they go back to school on Monday morning to a world that hates the God that they were worshiping on Sunday morning. This morning, students... I want to leave us with three things to think about as we consider our faith in the living God. The first is legacy. The second is confidence. And the third is resolve. So real quickly, look with me at God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 2. In the intro of the letter, we see that Paul and Silvanus and Timothy are writing to this church in Thessalonica. And they're writing on behalf of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wish grace and peace to this church. And in verse 2, they say this. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment. Now, church at the crossing, I've been speaking all weekend to your students, and I'm directing most of what God's word is telling us this morning in application to them. But there's a direct application for all of us who are in Christ this morning. Church, as these young people have been meeting together this weekend, I am fully convinced that the work that God has been doing inside of their heart has been birthed in one place, in the prayer of God's people in preparing for this weekend. I know that many of our leaders this weekend have spent countless hours on their hands and knees and even in tears weeping before the Lord for the souls of the young people who would be here this weekend. And as God's word is showing us here this morning, it is absolutely a biblical mandate that we pray for other believers. So church, here is my charge to you all at the front end of things this morning. As our young people leave this place this weekend, as they get ready to go back into uh, their schools and as they get ready to go back to their families, as they get ready to take the things that they've learned this weekend and live their lives in full devotion to Christ, will you do one simple thing for them? Will you commit yourself in prayer to them? Pray for them. Not prayer to them. Don't pray to them. Pray for them. We commit yourself in prayer for them. That's what Paul and Timothy and Silas were doing as they were not even anywhere near Thessalonica. They were constantly giving thanks to God always for all of them, constantly mentioning them in their prayers. Now, verse 3 is where we meet our first term for this morning, legacy. Verse 3, remembering before our God and Father your 4.0 GPA, your admission to that college that you've always wanted to get into? How about the amount of hours that you've spent working relentlessly to train your body for the upcoming football season? No. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This whole weekend... The theme, Jesus is better, is rooted in the fact that the glory of our great God who put on flesh, who came to redeem a sinful people back to himself, that glory will never fade. It's the only glory that will last into all eternity. And as Paul and Silas and Timothy are thinking about the church in Thessalonica, 
these things are being recalled to their heart. That as they look back and remember the time that they spent with this church, all they can think about is their faith, their love that comes from God, and their hope in one place, in Christ alone. Students, last night, we had a challenge from Philippians chapter 3 to consider all of our life trash if it does not include Jesus Christ at the very center of it, influencing everything that we do with our lives. This morning, the challenge is just the same. What legacy will you leave behind? Now, as junior high and high school students, it's probably very easy for you to not think past the next like four years of your life, right? Or maybe some of you are like, man, I can't wait to get out of Alito, Texas and move on to better and bigger things. And that's completely fine as well. But from my experience as a teenager back 15 years ago, um, I remember thinking about high school and thinking about the way that people would remember me. And all of us are seeking to leave our stamp, so to speak, aren't we? All of us are wanting to make a name for ourselves. Nobody wants to be the, the kid that was the outcast or unpopular or thought of poorly by everyone else. But I want to challenge you to something greater this morning. Will people remember your relationship with Jesus long after you were gone from their life? I want to encourage you with this this morning. Many of you will move on from Alito, Texas, and you will... Uh, leave the doors of your school, you will cross the, the, uh, the boundaries of, of the city limits and you will never look back. And I'll tell you something, young people, the people that you're around right now, you're probably not going to see them very often. <laughs> the people right now who mean the most to you, I mean, I, I just hate to break it to you, but here's where life takes us. It takes us in different directions. And each of those folks will remember you for something. But here's what God's Word points us to in terms of biblical legacy. Work of faith. We'll talk what faith is here in just a moment. Labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Students, as you leave from here this morning, this weekend's going to be over, but the rest of your life is in front of you. We spoke before the service. God willing, the Lord would have you here on this earth for decades in order to serve him, to serve the local church, to know Christ and to know him deeply and to live out the good works that he has prepared in advance for you all to work, uh, to work in and to live out. But here's what I want for you to understand this morning. That if your life is not rooted in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of your life is spent in vain, pursuing after things that don't really matter. Will you choose to leave a legacy? Regardless of how people remember you, when they think of you, Will they think of the name of Jesus Christ? Whether they made fun of you the entire time that you were in school with him because you loved him and were devoted to him and didn't care what people thought about it, or whether they saw your testimony and because of the way that you lived out your faith and because you were willing to share it with other people, they came to know him as well. Will you this moment, this day, decide to leave a legacy that matters for the glory of God? How we live matters. How we live matters for the glory of God. But there's another word that God's word leads us to think about this morning, and that's the word confidence. See, there's a confidence, young people, that we have learned to trust in this weekend. And this morning, I just want to remind you that if you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ right now, this is the confidence that you have before God your Father. 
Look with me now, starting in verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Now, I am a, a student uh, by heart. I just finished up a Master of Divinity, and so like school is just kind of like in my blood. And so whenever I go to speak at a church, what I usually do is I listen to the service from the week before. So Pastor Lee, I got to get a, a bird's eye view of, of the, the Romans 8 discussion that you guys had and talking about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and how that comes together to form the thing that we know as salvation. And so in this verse, I think that it's just the providence of God that has brought us here, but that's what we're talking about here. God's Word says that Paul and Silas and Timothy are confident that these people know God, that they're loved by Him, that He has chosen to them. Why? Because of this. Look at verse 5. Because the gospel made a difference in their life when it came to them. Paul says that our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. See, students, this weekend, each of us has had a relationship with the living Word of God. God's Word promises us in Hebrews chapter 4 that His Word is alive and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God uses His, His uh, Word as a sword to pierce the hearts of unbelievers and as a scalpel in the hearts of believers to take away the things that do not look like Jesus. And this weekend, young people, as the Word of God has been opened, my prayer is that God has been able to use His Word in such a way that the Gospel would make its way inside of all of our hearts, whether we're believing it for the very first time or whether we believed it for a very long time. But here's the truth that Thessalonians is telling us this morning. When God's Word makes it into the hearts of men, it changes things. And here's what God's Word is telling us this morning, that the Gospel, specifically the message about Jesus, had come to these people in a few different ways. First, he says, it came to you in a word. God's Word tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing. And hearing through what? Through the Word of Christ, or the Word about Christ. People come to trust in Jesus through hearing the message of Jesus. And young people, if you are trusting in Christ today, I'm here to tell you that's because the gospel was preached to you. It wasn't just because you were smart or you figured out some truth of the universe that the rest of mankind was too dumb to figure out. But it's because the God of the universe gave his word to people and then he put preachers on this earth in order to preach his word that his, heart, that his word might pierce your heart so that you would believe it. And this weekend, as you come here, hopefully the Word of God has come to you if you trust in Christ or if you've never trusted Him for the very first time in power. But God's Word also says that it has come by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5 says that the Lord saves people not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. 
See, one reason why the Word of God is alive and active is because God's Word was inspired. It was literally breathed out by God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit was at work in the writing process of His Word. God's Holy Spirit was involved in the preservation of God's Word. And God's Holy Spirit was so involved in His Word that He brought it to the hearts of people so that they might hear it and believe. This weekend, students, I want you to understand that the Word of God has made its way inside of your heart and has changed the way that you think about things. It's because God's Holy Spirit has been at work behind the scenes doing things that you and I cannot see. But this weekend, God's Word tells us that His people also also, um, hear His Word and respond to the Gospel with full conviction. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 says that godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. This weekend, students, it's been my prayer that God's word would meet us right where we are in all of life's situations, that it would meet us in our brokenness, that it would be the balm that would heal the wounds that come because of sin that has happened against us. But it's also been my prayer that God's word would come to us with wounds of affliction itself, that we would repent And as Nathan mentioned earlier, it is the kindness of God. It is the mercy of God in giving us his word and showing us a better way that leads us to repentance. Students, to make a long story short, if God has done a work in your life this weekend, it's been because his word has been alive inside of you this weekend. So here's my encouragement. This weekend, if you are trusting in Jesus and in him alone for your salvation, then you can have all the confidence in the world. Number one, that you belong to him. But number two, that it is all a work that he has done to get you there. And he is the one who will be doing the work to keep you there and to keep you until the very end. Our confidence, students, never comes from ourselves. On a day that we feel like we're killing it, we wake up at 5.30 and read our Bible for an hour before we got to be at practice at 7. On a day whenever we wake up and, and we barely have enough time to brush our teeth before we get out the door, God's grace is the same in both of those moments. But the one constant is this. Those who are constantly growing in confidence in the salvation that has been brought by Jesus Christ are also doing something else. They are also spending time in relationship with the word of God that saved them in the first place. Students, if I could leave you with any one single thing that would be of greatest help to you in moving forward in terms of knowing that Jesus is always better than anything that the world can give you, it would be this, that every single day the most important voice that I could hear is the voice of the living God. And can I tell you, there's only one place where that comes from, and it's through his written, inspired word every single day students this is your lifeblood this is your as the word itself calls it daily bread this is what god has given you in order to feed you spiritually from this time until he takes you into glory for those of us who trust in christ his word ought to be the one thing that we are filling our hearts with day in and day out, over and over and over again, going to it like a starveling homeless person who hasn't had a meal in three years. This ought to be it. This ought to be our hunger for the word of God. 
this weekend has been all about Jesus is better, but you're never going to go out and live out Jesus is better if the voice that you are hearing is louder than this voice. See, many of us are going to go out and leave this place and we're going to turn back on the same music that we were listening to. We're going to turn on the same TV shows that we were listening to. We're going to hang out with the same friends who weren't here, who are living life in a certain way that isn't in line with God's word. And we're going to be hearing all sorts of voices. Students, I want to call you back to the only voice that can give you confidence to live out your faith. It's in the word of God alone. God's word says that it came to them not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. He says, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And here's what the word did to them in verse six. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. I love that part of the verse because it shows us that godly people can be an example for other godly people to follow as we all are following Jesus. He goes on to say, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. If you go back and read Acts chapter 17, it'll tell you the exact story about the gospel coming to Thessalonica. Can I tell you something? It didn't come into a peaceful place. The word says that Paul went in and he found a Jewish synagogue, people who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and he started reasoning with them, seeking to persuade them through the scriptures that Jesus was God and he was the Christ of God who came into the world to save his people. And for three weeks, that was okay. But after about three weeks, everything fell apart. And there was much affliction and there was much suffering taking place for all of those in Thessalonica who had believed in the gospel message. So much so that Paul and Silas and Timothy were run out of town. And ironically, that ended up taking the gospel all the way to Athens and and so on and so forth. And so God had a plan for that. But here's what God's word is telling us, that these people receive the word in much affliction. Yesterday morning in Luke chapter 9, students, you'll remember, we talked about the fact that the call to follow Jesus is a call to suffer for his sake. The reason why we are called to suffer for the sake of Christ is because we live in a world that is completely against the message of the gospel. The world says, I will be king. The world says, I will be God. The world says, I need no savior. Thank you very much. Don't tell me how to live my life. I am the master of my own fate. I'm the captain of my own soul. And the word of God tells us that you can't save yourself. Jesus is the only way. In a world that says, try this and try that to get to God, the gospel says, no, God came and got to me. So the world hates the message of the gospel. It is an offense to them. It's a stench to the world. So students, when you return to your school, when you, some of you, when you return to your home, you're going to come across people who are very much opposed to the message that has changed your life. And yet this morning, God's word reminds us that in the midst of much affliction, much suffering, there can also exist tons of joy. It says, you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you also became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You want to talk about a legacy? 
this church was relatively new, and yet everyone knew exactly what they stood for. You might be thinking, well, we're teenagers. What possible impact could we ever have that would make its mark here in Alito, Texas, and in our surrounding area? Can I be of encouragement to you? There was a group of students about 30 years ago in a place that, according to uh, Google Maps, is 23 miles from where we are standing, or you guys are sitting, right now in Burleson, Texas. In 1990, they attended what was then called a Disciple Now weekend. And over the course of that weekend, 10 of those students, only 10 of them, they were convicted that the Lord would have them go and pray on their campuses. So they spent that weekend in prayer. God moved in a mighty way. And that movement was the birth of what came to be known as See You at the Pole. Ten students, one weekend, decided that they wanted to make a difference. Now every single year, their voice is being heard all over the world as people gather around flagpoles on campuses, in front of Capitol buildings, in order to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Students, Never underestimate what the Lord can and will do through you. If you were to go and study the movements of the First and Second Great Awakenings, what you would see is that those movements were, were prefaced by an intense time of prayer, an intense conviction in the hearts of a specific group of people, young people, who were convicted by the Word of God, and who had great confidence that God was sending them to do a mighty work. Students, if you belong to Jesus, then you have the right to have all the confidence in the world that Christ is Lord of your life, that he has a plan, that he has good works that he has prepared in advance, that you should walk in them, and that it all is rooted in his word and what he has said in the truth of the gospel. And it is that truth of the gospel that changes lives, changes hearts, changes towns, changes cities, changes nations changes generations that is the living word of God the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who will believe and God's word says that if you trust in Christ that power is resting inside of you by his Holy Spirit students I want you to think this morning about the legacy that you would leave and about the confidence that you have in the God who saved you and in his word but finally also want us to think about our resolve. How do we move forward with this weekend, or from this weekend? How do we move forward and what attitude do we have as we leave this place? Look with me now, starting in verse 9. For they themselves report concerning, the, uh, concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Students, this weekend, as we've been talking about, Jesus is better. The entire time, whether you realize it or not, what God's Word has been instructing us to do time and time again is to see Christ as more precious, more worthy, more glorious than anything that this world has to offer. And what that leads us to do time and time again is to turn from the idols that are seeking to take the place of the King. All throughout the Old Testament, God's people wrestled between worship of Yahweh, the true and living God, and worship of idols that they themselves created. 
You have the God of the universe who created people in his image. And then you have these gods that people would carve up and they would create and fashion for themselves in order to worship. And God's word tells us that the same thing was going on in the first century in this church in Thessalonica. They worshiped gods who could not do anything because they didn't exist. And yet they turned from these idols, they turned from idolatry in order to serve the one true living God. Students, as you leave this place this weekend, if experience tells me anything, the greatest temptation that you're going to have when you leave this place is not that, that you would um, be less evangelistic at school. It's not that maybe your Bible reading would decrease, even though, as I mentioned, that's absolutely important. But I think it's this. Whenever we leave a place where we are focused supremely on the glory of Christ, and we go back into a place where thousands of messages are trying to tell us otherwise, it's very easy for us to turn our eyes back to the idols that God saved us from. Now, you probably don't have a carved statue of Buddha sitting on your TV set, okay? But you do have a TV set that consumes many idle hours, don't you? You have a phone that is seeking to rip your soul apart every time you open it up. You're only a couple of clicks away from de depravity and from everything that would keep you from following Jesus. You're only a couple of conversations away from joining your friends at school and doing things, you know, don't please the Lord. And yet God's word is calling us to turn away from everything that would keep us from fixing our eyes on, on the only true and living God. Students, every single day, we have to decide who is the king of my heart. Who is the one who has first place as we talked about on Friday night? Who is the only one and the only thing that is worthy of all my worship, all of my devotion? I told you that true Faith in Jesus is what produces a real devotion to Jesus. Real faith in what he's done for me. Being convinced of the truth of the gospel. Being convinced that life is worth living for the glory of God alone. And yet there will be idols that will present themselves in front of us and say, but what about me? Don't you remember how glorious I am? Don't you remember how much you enjoy me? Don't you remember how I help you escape from the pain that you feel at school or from the pain that you feel at home? This morning, I want to remind us one final time, Jesus is better. Take your eyes off of every worthless thing, as the psalmist says, and redirect them to the throne of grace that came to offer us something that nothing else and no one else could offer us. And God's word tells us that as we turn our eyes from idols, as we shift our focus to Christ in serving the living and true God, that leads us to verse 10. We then wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Now earlier, Gabby read from us from 1 Peter chapter 1, just talking about that gospel. And um, I'm actually preaching through 1 Peter at the church where I serve. And the thing that struck me the most about 1 Peter chapter 1 is that at the end of all that, whenever Peter gives praise and glory to the God who had saved us by a miraculous salvation, he then tells this church, although you have not seen him, you love him. Students, that is the great calling of the Christian life. 
the world says, have everything you ever wanted right now. And the gospel says this world is temporary. This, the pleasures of this life are fleeting. And we are putting our faith in a tr- and trust in a God that we've never seen. And yet his word has convinced us that he's real and he's coming back. Students, I want every single morning when we wake up, when we think about making our days count, consider this, there's coming a day when everything that the world says is false is going to be made sight. When Jesus Christ himself is going to return, whether that is the end of our life or whether it is the end of all time, whenever he comes back and brings his people to be with him, we will see him face to face. And in that moment, students, I want us to recognize that there could be nothing in all of existence that could surpass the excellence of that moment. Can you imagine that? Waiting your entire existence for that moment that you stand face to face with the one who bought your redemption. Waiting for the Son of God from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, students, if you are a believer, you will experience a type of wrath. It's a type of ungodly wrath from a world that hates God. You may be chastised at school. You may be cast aside from friends who really weren't your friends in the first place. You, your loved ones may hate you because you're trusting in the God of the universe. You may even experience suffering in terms of physical suffering for His name. But what I want you to understand is this. The God of the universe has also saved you from the eternal wrath that you deserved. And one day we're going to be delivered from every evil thing that this world could ever throw at us. Hallelujah. Think about that, students. I used to remind um, our youth group whenever I was a youth pastor, you may have never thought about this, but your only concept of eternity is like 11 years. Do you realize that? If you're 14, your concept of eternity is 11 years because the first three years of your life you can't even remember, okay? So eternity forever to you is 11 years. Think about this for just a moment. Think about time that never ends following this life. Living in the grace that Jesus came and bought with His blood. And He, come, he comes to share His inheritance with all of His children. All of those who are the redeemed of God. And we will see Him forever and rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible because of that inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. There's coming a day, students, when Jesus is coming back and forever. Here's what we will sing in all of eternity. Jesus, you are indeed better. You're better. As the band makes their way up this morning, I want to close really quickly with a story from church history, which I think really summarizes what this weekend is all about. You see... Students, now is the time when we start to go and live out everything that we've been learning this weekend. Church, now is the time whenever we encourage these students to go out into a world and to live boldly for the sake of Christ. To live in such a way as to leave a godly legacy. To live with absolute confidence that God has done a work in their heart by His Word and He's continuing that work and He will finish it. And also that they would have a resolve to live boldly for the name of Jesus. And where this takes us back to is February 23rd, which was a few days ago, except this was the year 1 
56, which was almost 2,000 years ago. I want to take you back to the city of Rome and the really what was becoming the height of Christian persecution in the Roman Empire in the second century. There was a guy who was a pastor in Asia. His name was Polycarp. Now, guys who are playing Pokemon over here, that's not an evolved form of Magikarp. It's a Christian uh, in, the, in the second century. Polycarp was his name. He was a bishop of a town called Smyrna, which was actually one of the churches that Jesus addressed in his revelation to John. Polycarp loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and God had sustained his life for 86 years. Well, as I mentioned, Christianity was being persecuted heavily during this time, so much so that Polycarp was arrested. He was brought to Rome, and church historian Bruce Shelley tells us about what happened after that. It says that the authorities brought the highly respected pastor into the crowded arena. They were prepared to shove him to the lions but only reluctantly because he was so highly respected. Like they felt bad about what they were going to have to do to him. And so here's what they really preferred. They re actually preferred a denial of the charge that was being held against him, just being a Christian. Simply swear by Caesar, said the governor, and we'll let you go. I'm a Christian, said Polycarp. I can't swear by Caesar. So after some discussion, the governor went on to say, then I'm going to throw you to the beast. Polycarp said, bring on your beast. If you scorn the beast, said the governor, I'll have you burned. Polycarp responded, you try to frighten me with the fire that burns for an hour, and you forget the fire of hell that never goes out. Can you imagine? Like, I can't, like, I've got goosebumps right now. I'm a pastor. I can't imagine saying that to the people that are about to kill me. And so from that point forward, Polycarp was presented in front of a coliseum to a mob. He was laid on a pyre. They were going to stake him to the pyre, but he said, listen, God has brought me this far. He's going to give me the faith to sit through this fire without you having to stake me down. And so as they lit the fire, the mob was jeering at him, saying, this is the teacher of Asia, the father of Christians, and check this out, the destroyer of our gods. Young person, if you're willing to leave this place, change forever by the word of God, as it continues to do a work in your heart from this day forward, then you will go out into a world and you will be a little polycarp. You will be a destroyer of gods. See, I'm convinced that the only thing that could bring a man who is 86 years old to the place of his execution with confident boldness to tell the truth, even as he's headed to the flame, would be the fact that there was a God that's real who had saved him, that he had changed his heart by his word, that he had given him great boldness and confidence and resolve to live for his glory and his glory alone. And among Polycarp's last words were this, for 86 years... I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How could I ever blaspheme my king and savior? See, Polycarp got it, young people. He understood something, that no matter what I do in life, no matter what the world brings me, no matter what afflictions come my way, no matter what suffering I'm asked to endure for the sake of Christ, one truth will be true for all of eternity. Jesus is 
better. As we stand this morning, I want to invite us to a time of reflection and response. Daniel and the band are going to lead us, but students, um, as Nathan mentioned last night, this is not the end of the invitation. In fact, the invitation extends from this time to the rest of our lives every single day to look to Christ and to find something better. Perhaps you're here this morning, whether you're a student, whether you're an adult, whether you are a child, and you're hearing the message of the gospel, hearing this message that Jesus is better, that he's come into the world as God in the flesh in order to live, to die, to be raised again for the redemption of all those who have put their faith and trust in him. And that message is changing your heart even as you listen to his word proclaimed. This morning, let's respond to that. Leaders, I would just ask, let's just kind of scatter like we've been doing. If you guys want to move to the back or whatever. I know Pastor Lee's here in the front. Nathan's here. If you need to speak with somebody about what it means to know Christ, I want to invite you to do that this morning. Students, if there's something that you've been waiting all weekend long and just holding on to that you need to speak with somebody about, if you need to get right with the Lord, I want to invite you to do that. Just a reminder, the altar is open. If you want to just come and pray. And maybe, um, parents, this is an opportunity for you to live out that, that charge at the top of the message to just come and pray over these students as they leave this place and they go back out into the world to take the message, Jesus is better, to their school. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to do that. We're going to allow the band to lead us in worship. After the song is over, Nathan will come and he'll offer our closing. Let's respond in the appropriate way to God's word this morning.